Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. I guess tying into this whole idea of like having a niche, to me, it's more important than trying to cater to everyone. I think we talk a lot about that in the mentorship of like, well, don't just take on this client because you need the money and like you're desperate. And and all of us, of course, are coming from a place where we want to be a freelancer. We want to be creative. We want to do things that make us feel fulfilled. So for me, having this specific niche I'm passionate. I want to be passionate about every single grant that I'm writing and every single client that I'm working with. And I want to market for them just as much as they do. I think that that is an important piece to making everyone's life feel uh, feel well spent. <laughs> That was Elena Michaels you just heard from, and we'll be talking to her in today's podcast. So you are going to be hearing all about how she has niched down as a freelance grant writer, which has enabled her to actually get more clients. She actually has clients on the wait list right now, and she's been able to really fine tune what her passions are. We're going to be talking about how Elena became a freelance grant writer, what those passions are. Very interesting. So do stay tuned today. And then she's also going to be talking about what some things that she has gotten out of the grant professional mentorship which is our year-long mentorship program which is opening the doors soon i get questions all the time about what's in the mentorship so you get to hear behind the scenes from a student who is in the mentorship program in 2022 and what results she's gotten so far which are quite amazing but she's also going to teach you on how to niche down and how she's done that so we're going to talk about her experience I know a lot of times, as soon as I mention niche down to a grant writer, they think, oh no, I'm not gonna have enough clients if I niche down. Well, quite the opposite can happen. And we're gonna talk about that today. So before we get into our show today with Elena Michaels, I just wanna thank Grant Writing and Funding for this podcast. If you would like to join our Grant Writing and Funding free hub haven, do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com and for all of today's show notes, go ahead and go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 248. Elena has a free downloadable there. It's a checklist on how to prepare to write grants. Very, very cool. So you can grab that right away. Once again, at grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 248. And we are talking about the Grant Professional Mentorship today. So if you would like to join, we are having limited seats this year. Do jump over on the wait list. So as soon as the doors are open, which they're actually open extremely soon, you'll be able to have the opportunity to get inside. This is our signature program where I work with a small cohort of grant professionals, those who are wanting to start freelance grant writing businesses or who already have and really want to grow their business and we go through the entire year together where you have support we meet twice a month we have a book club where we work on personal and professional books we also have our accountability group where every single quarter we get prepared on all of the tasks that we need to get done that quarter to build or expand our business 
and we reflect as well. So we definitely have a support group there. So when you face those challenges that come into your business, you will be able to get responses and feedback and help from everybody in the group. And of course, we also have our master classes where I teach on a certain subject every single quarter, and this is fantastic. And then every single month we have our hot seats where you're able to get any challenges or questions that you have answered. So we have a great mix of technical support for you in your grant writing skills and in your business skills. And we also have a great community. So when you have those questions that come up in your business, which will, you can have a support system to get feedback on how to respond or templates or whatever that might be that you need at that point in time. This is the ultimate program to really grow a business and you don't have to do it in a silo. You do not have to do it alone. You can do it in a group of other people who are also focusing on building their businesses. So jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com so you can get more information on the mentorship. All right, so let's go ahead and tune into Elena and hear about more how she has positioned her business to be extremely successful and how you can learn from what she has done to grow her business by focusing on the niches. So I have on the podcast today, Miss Elena Michael from Refont Ventures, and she is going to be talking about a lot of different things today, but also just she's a grant writer. She's a consultant. She is out there really helping in a niche market. So we're going to be talking about how to niche down, why you might want to niche down as a consultant. And then you're also going to talk about some wins from the mentorship and just some key notes and takeaways moving forward. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Elena. Thank you for having me, Holly. It's just so exciting. <laughs> yes, I know you were just saying it's like full circle because yeah. you found me <laughs> through the podcast. Right? Yep. And here we are. So almost a year later now and feeling like a whole new person almost. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cause you've been also, you found me on the podcast, you joined the grand professional mentorship and you've been a part of that all year. It's an annual program and oh my gosh, so many different changes in your business, in your life, and just the clarity that you've gotten. So I'm really excited to touch on that. But first I wanted to touch about on like where you're coming from, a little bit about who you are. So the folks out there listening or watching, yes, we're on YouTube, um, can definitely uh, know you a little bit more. So uh, what pulled you into grant writing? Well, we'll kind of start with maybe a little bit of background um, to myself, because uh, it is it is definitely your whole life experience that brings you to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to be passionate about this and focused on it. Um, so to start, I'm from Ohio and was uh, raised um, not on a farm or anything, but I always loved animals. And uh, so that spurred my trajectory to study animal science at Cal Poly. I was like, I don't really know what major to choose, but I like animals. So we're going to go with that. <laughs> but one of the best decisions I made and also um, next best decision was taking my sheet production class in, at Cal Poly. And this is Cal Poly San Luis Obispo in California. Um, and 
that was just so wonderful uh, learning what was a pivotal connection for me between the importance between animals and plants and mm -hmm. their complete dependence upon one another. We cannot have a landscape where animals are removed from that landscape because that's how all of our soils have been built and everything. Um, and then that's what's propelling us to continue to grow food on it. So for so many years, animals have been removed from the landscape. And now there's what is called a regenerative movement. Um, lots of perhaps debate in that, um, but for now, regenerative is kind of the key word there and trying to get us to bring these processes all together. So um, I'll try not to go down <laughs> into my little tangent there. But um, so this is a this is an area that I um, am very passionate about. And through my education and learning a lot of the soil science, range science, um, then doing my master's also at Cal Poly and ruminant nutrition, um, just being able to see really all facets of agriculture and then being in a graduate program and being inundated in this tiny little world of like nitpicky details. And, uh, and as many graduate researchers that I talk to um, come out and they're like, who's ever going to read my research? <laughs> You're like, there's got to be more, like we have to get this out to the world. And so then it was just like, I need to pop out of my little shell and, um, and find some way I can, I can get the word out. Um, and so, but to tie into grant writing, um, having a research background and having done, gone through a graduate degree, I think has been really helpful because I'm so detail oriented and understanding that importance of substantiating with evidence, um, that's like, you've got to do that in a thesis and in a publication. So um, so that I think gave me the confidence to go into writing a grant and feeling like these are the pieces I need to back it up and um, how to cite the literature and all of those um, daunting tasks to most people, but really, um, thrilling to me <laughs> I suppose yeah oh yeah oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah the data right? the data is always fun as I, I'm a part of a, a nonprofit on the board and one of the other board uh, members says we're doing our values right listing all your values and she said mm -hmm. uh, data <laughs> she was like data is a value <laughs> so awesome so yeah. proof in the pudding <laughs> I love it we gotta base yes. all our decisions off of data so no it's yeah. really, that's awesome though how this story you know your experiences have brought you to grant writing which most people it's not about like oh I'm gonna join a grant writing uh, class in college and I'm gonna have a nonprofit degree and go down that trajectory some people do mm -hmm. but there's actually not like super specific like grant writing advanced degrees and all of that there's yeah. certifications and certificates mm -hmm. that sort of thing right 
but um, to academia, there's not really robust cold problem or for our programs just on grant writing. So most grant writers don't come to be a grant writer, right? Through mm -hmm. that process, it's more about yeah. something like it's yours, right? It's not a, uh, it's not one of the degrees that you can acquire uh, right. or that I know of. Maybe there yeah. is a school with it, but yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's not very common, right? If they're around there. So, but definitely, um, you know, bringing in your your specialty and really looking at, you know, animal science and, um, you know, some more science based and really wanting your research and the programs that you guys are looking at studying and developing to really have impact in the world. And then you were like, hey, I can also write. Maybe if I can help get programs funded that support this work, that's really where I can thrive as well, or even to fund some of my own programs that I want to develop, right? Is that kind of where it took you to the next place? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, so the next, the next step in that um, was probably my experience in my first um, full-time position with um, Natural Resources Conservation Service. I was contracted with them with a conservation organization. And so then as you're kind of getting into those adult stages of life as well after college, you're trying to figure out like, how does the money work? Like, yeah. where does the money go? How do I get it to go where I want it to when I don't have it? <laughs> and <laughs> Um, and also like there are lots of people making a ton of money, but not making very good decisions with it. And I want to be able to have a say and an influence over that and share my passion to get those people to see, oh, like I shouldn't just waste my money on big cars and the next new thing. Like there's people out there that are putting food on your table so that you can eat and survive every day and they need your help. And so uh, it just like befuddles me how everyone eats food every day. And somehow that's not like the most important question of like, is this still going to continue? Am I going to continue being able to get food from the grocery store? Because the UN um, showed that in, in 2014, we only have about 60 harvests left. So now that's about 52 harvests on average globally from our um, main producing crop fields. Um, so that's, kind of that's kind of the wake-up call and um and also we're seeing a lot of funding being directed in that area um whether people know it or not whether they're looking out at those, those things thank you for yeah that's that's really interesting and you're right a lot of people don't pay attention to that right that very important thing called survival and um that's interesting <laughs> to know too like these are definitely issues that should be funded um and really more attention and focus on right and and part of that funding can come through grants right so um mm -hmm. just as a side note if you guys are hearing background noise there's construction going on outside my house <laughs> I apologize. 
might hear some of that. <laughs> but, you know, definitely, I love that you're tying in your passion with your consultancy and saying, hey, let's connect more money to these programs. And we can actually, you know, do this. And you can focus on those types of programs, those types of clients. So this is kind of where we're mm -hmm. getting to you can be a consultant and you can absolutely niche down and focus on a certain area like you have done so well, right? Yourself. Yeah. So yeah, even the name of your, your consultancy and even the website, I definitely recommend everyone go to refontventures.com, right? That, that is the, right? Correct, okay. yes. And that's Refont our, Ventures, Refont with an E at the end, but it's a silent E. <laughs> yes, and yes. definitely go there because when you go there, you're gonna see this beautiful picture of bison in the front, and then you're gonna see like all of these different elements of the earth, animals, right, the land, and all of that's connecting with the sales copy or the, all the different copy you have on your website and just the way you brand even. So it's very specific and it's very niched and a lot of consultants out there. I know you guys are going, but if I niche too much, I won't have enough clients. Well, mm -hmm. Elena's showing that's absolutely not true. You've actually um, gone from one client last year before you founded the mentorship. Now you have, um, let's see, you have two long-term clients, plus you have a three other clients, plus you have more clients on your wait list. And you're definitely looking at even hiring somebody else to come into your consultancy. You can absolutely grow when you niche down because you become so clear on those different types of funding and communicating with those nonprofits or organizations. So what does Refont yeah. mean? <laughs> great, way, great way to say all that. Um, okay, so Refont is a French word that, um, goodness, I, I can't take all the credit. Uh, a family friend of my husband's family, he uh, he's an architect in San Francisco. His company is called Ronin. Um, and he is he was really helpful at helping me craft this. And we had some brainstorming sessions. So he was like, Refont. And, um, but essentially meaning to um, repair or improve things to the way that they're meant to be. And that definition just really resonates with everything that I'm about. Mm -hmm. Like we all, ever since COVID especially, have all just like had this longing sense for community and like knowing that that's a part of who we are as humans and also a longing to be outside more and be more connected with um, where our food comes from. And so to me, that is what it means when I say what we were meant to be. Mm. Um, and the way things that were the way things were intended to function, um, and other meanings of the word are uh, recasting, rewriting. Actually, is another um, translation, and so all of that um, just ties really well together. It also goes with this whole regeneration movement of uh these rewords right so wow. we we're at a point in history we're redoing the past um learning from our mistakes and uh and then the ventures kind of 
keeps it broad. Um, it has that sense of there's some sort of funding your journey. Um, and also me being a very outdoorsy person, myself and my husband, um, this adventure kind of idea. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that brings a lot of it to, together. That's great. And I love how you, you know, really decided how do I want my brand for my company to really represent what I believe in? So can you kind of take us down that process? Like you said, you did a brainstorming session, but like when you really thought about, I want to do this company or, you know, I want to have this consulting company, like you didn't just go to like, I want to go to cookie cutter templates and figure out how to do that. And you know what I mean? You really put more meaning and thought behind it. So how did you really figure that out? You know? Yeah. Um, well, I have to say, um, my cousin's girlfriend, Ariel, she helped me a lot with building out a brand. So we did kind of my first brand strategy, um, and asking those deep questions, like, who is it that you want to reach and what are you doing? So that was kind of like the initial, um, and I guess tying into this whole idea of like having a niche, um, it's more important than trying to cater to everyone. I think we talk a lot about that in the mentorship of like, well, don't just take on this client because um, you need the money and like you're desperate. Like you... And, and all of us, of course, are coming from a place where we want to be a freelancer. We want to be creative. We want to do things that make us uh, feel fulfilled. And so for me, having this specific niche, I'm passionate. I want to be passionate about every single grant that I'm writing and every single client that I'm working with. And I want to market for them just as much as they do. Um, and so I think that that is an important piece to uh, just making, making everyone's life feel, uh, feel well spent. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah, and you're right, because it's we always talk about let's first look in what is your why? Why do you want to create this company, mm -hmm. right? And for most mm -hmm. people, it is a combination of finding meaning in their lives, creating more flexibility of a schedule, creating higher income, um, you know, cracking that glass ceiling that they may find at traditional jobs, um, and being able to work on things that they're really, they love their job, like they want to wake up and be there. Yeah. So there's so many of those that intersect. So if we just start taking on and thinking scarcity mindset and taking on anything and everything and getting them problematic clients and we're mm -hmm. so conflicted then from our why to our actual, mm -hmm. right? So then we're like, why am I doing this now, right? So I love that you were really clear about that. And you said, okay, this is where I'm going to start. And I want to start it right. I really want to be able to take meaning and everything, but I also want to fast track this, right? Um, to be able to make an income, because obviously we have to still provide monies, right? To come in the door and to provide the lifestyle that we want. Um, and to also get a reciprocation from the work that we, we give, right? So yeah, I think yeah. that's so cool that you have been able to do that in such a quick way too, like being so meaningful. Yeah. 
And if I might add too, I think another benefit is just from the client's perspective, it's so much easier to communicate when you're on the same page of like having someone that understands your field communicating with you. <clears throat> so I have a lot of clients that come to me that are involved in the Savory Institute, which is a global organization focused on holistic management, which I'm an accredited professional of. And, um, and they're especially excited about the idea of working with me because I have that background and I can speak the same language. Yeah. Um, and I understand this whole concept of um, not exploiting the land and what we're doing and not exploiting the people and what we're doing or um, not thinking about the money. We think about all of those things together. Yeah. Um, so that's important. that's important to those people. And, and it's um, really easy to communicate that way. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, definitely. It's not only in your branding, but it's the way you communicate, right? You have that same mm -hmm. science background too. So it's easier for you to have conversations about their programs and program development. And then even for, I imagine, the funding opportunity announcements, when you're looking at those grant opportunities, that language they're speaking to, right, is very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, definitely. You're you're not suddenly thrown into the weeds of like, oh, geez, I don't understand anything about this grant program or what they're trying to do. Yeah. So it makes it the learning curve. <laughs> I love that. So really, the niches are really where you can find meaning. It's also where you can get more clients because now you're talking that language and they're attracted to you because of being able to communicate. And you're going to get better grant. Um, funding as well as those securing different grants, right? Because you mm -hmm. really understand those, those programs as well. And you're really well tuned to the language and the priorities of the different federal agencies that may be directing money. It's like you said in the beginning, there's more money is now moving towards this way, but people still have to mm -hmm. apply for it. They still, a lot of them have to go through the grant application process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will just say like kind of part of the passion comes from all these people out there that have really good ideas and just need to have the right words to do it and understand the format, which take years to do. So yeah. um, it's it's really, I think just in general, that's a great part about the the work that we're able to do as as grant writers. I love that. Oh, so yeah, so and I apologize again, but my cat's knocking something. <laughs> Gotta have the fur babies. <laughs> Keep the going on. I'm in a different room. It's like, <laughs> um, but I love that, and I love you know you also want to talk about um before we kind of kind of talk about your tips, just to talk about the mentorship a little bit more and your experience from it. Um, since we'll be opening the doors again soon. And I just want to, you know, from yeah. your perspective, being in the mentorship program, um, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in your very new business, right? To say, oh my gosh, like this is now, you know, I'm a year in, I'm, you know, a little over a year in my business now. And these are the big changes that I've seen and maybe the big impact it had on your business. Yeah, um, I know uh, we talked a lot about um, understanding your prices and that was a big thing for me um and I've just loved a lot of the books that we've gone through to help me with understanding that um because it's a common discussion of like oh I don't I don't want to charge too much and 
Um, I really want to be affordable, but what I've learned is you can't grow your impact unless you can take care of yourself. And, um, and also just in general for business, there's a lot more behind the scenes than most people know about when they come from an eight to five. And I've been learning a little bit about that. Um, you, yeah. And especially if you start getting employees, which I'm not at that point yet, but then you got all of their healthcare and things and you want to take care of them if you want to keep them around. Um, and so that, that happens by making sure that they're adequately taken care of um, money-wise. So that was one big thing. Um, and I think just developing some understanding of um, how to have your own schedule as a freelancer and um, keep motivated and keep on task um, and setting those sort of strategic blocks we learned about and your buffer blocks. You got to answer all the emails, but you also got to take the time to do the deep work. And so understanding those priority areas um, and Holly's really good about just making sure that we are all um, doing our self-care and she gave us our little package. Thank you for that, by the way, of, of our little socks and soap baths. And <laughs> so, yeah. Oh yeah. So when, when we, yeah, I'm, I'm getting my massage as I told you earlier, uh, at the end of this week. So, but it's, I mean, it's very, it's taxing on, on us, especially starting out on our own. So, um, there's, there's a lot of being able to commiserate with the grant writing group, but get also very practical help with how to deal with that and what we need to think about and, um, and just tools. I think the basing, um, yeah, the tools and, and a framework, because you come into this, especially for someone that maybe didn't write grants in, in their former job, um, or, it looked slightly different than what it does as a freelancer. Um, you, you need to kind of have a frame of reference. So being able to see what other people are doing is really helpful. And then you may not do the same thing, but you can tailor it to yourself or your, your own area of expertise. So all of that has been good and really helpful for me. I love that. And I love that you've also increased your prices during the mentorship, like definitely working <clears throat> through that and, you know, working through a lot of that. Why am I having, you know, why am I underpricing and working through those things? I know you've had a lot of growth there. So I think that's really fantastic. Um, and just moving through, like you said, um, getting so much feedback. I love how you guys work together as well and say, hey, this is a proposal I'm going to send in. Can I get feedback? Like I need feedback. <laughs> right? Yeah. People to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Add this clause in there or increase your price a little bit or whatever it is, right? Um, add yeah. in a per benefit, you know, maybe this. And really working through that, I've seen a lot of growth for you all just to be able to share that because mm -hmm. a lot of people, mm -hmm. they don't want to share that stuff. They're so like private about it because they don't know if it's right and all of that. But the mentorship allows you to do that with no shame yeah. Yeah. or whatever, right? 
So we definitely had a comfortable space built where we were able to just at a, at a certain point, it's like, okay, here's what I'm dealing with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So I'm so glad you got so many benefits out of being the mentorship. And we've gotten a lot of value having you in there too and getting your feedback. Thank you. It's really cool yeah. um, to see the growth in, in your consulting company. So I applaud you very much. Yes. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so, all right. So I know you also wanted to share with all the listeners or the viewers out there um, something as well. You wanted to share about biggest things that are important to you that you have found as well. So, can, and then you also have a freebie for us. So if you could break those down, that would mm-hmm. be great. Yeah, which kind of segues nicely from just what the mentorship provided is just uh, leveraging and utilizing your community. And um, being able to have that, then um, having more support for going forwards. And as a nonprofit or a land-based organization, um, whatever you are, the most important thing that you should look to first is your human resources, your your the resources of the people and the community and your board and um, bringing all those people together. And um, so I'm kind of working on a little series here, which is just uh, what to do before you apply. Um, And yeah, I think so often we get a lot of people that are like, there's the perfect opportunity. I need to apply for it right now. And uh, you've got maybe one or two months and you're like, okay, we could do this and nobody knows you exist. (laughs) So um, that right there is kind of the first problem. Um, And there's things that people or organizations should know um, before they even start getting tempted by grants um, or funding opportunities. They should know that they need to get themselves out there. They need to build community. Um, so I'll just go through this this checklist here. Um, just, yeah, looking at what are other people and groups doing that may be able to bolster a part of the big picture that you're proposing. Um, not reinventing the wheel. How can they help? And then we can say, hey, look at them for helping us, always highlighting those other groups, building them up. Um, This is really a, uh, just a lesson to humanity. It's not all about me, it's about what we can do as a team. Um, And then, uh, and of course, contacting them and demonstrating how you yourself are um, doing what you're saying you're doing and just being a reputable um, organization. So that would be kind of the building trust aspect. And uh, I think the thing I've learned too is just being very direct and clear about what you're asking, kind of in all these emails, things get muddled and you're like, oh, I'm writing this grant application and blah, 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 here's our vision, blah, blah. They're like, what do you want from me? (laughs) So, um, So there's definitely ways that you can do that. I think the best, the easiest I have found is just give them the template here's the bullets, what we're asking. And the next part is then that is an opportunity for them to share with their team and discuss. Um, So the last uh, tidbit on this 
resource I have here is just giving them time because they need time and it takes time to communicate with all the inundation of emails we get. Um, and it takes time for them to pull maybe their board together or the community that they work with. Um, and so give them time and you don't wanna be that impatient person. So those that's just one step in the before you apply. And as you're a new organization, um, is something you can be thinking about right away. I love that so. because, you know, a lot of grants, they ask, I mean, one of the main questions that you're going to see in there is, how does program time with the community impact, right? Or have community mm -hmm. impact or time with community goals or time to, you know, you that kind of broader scale impact yeah. because a lot of funding sources want to know it's not isolated. Their money won't just be spent very isolated where there is no ripple effect into the broader community or the broader social movement, right? Mm -hmm. So being able, and, and we do, like you said, get also busy and in nonprofits, and then you're kind of just stuck in your silo. But if you have those partnerships developed and you're, you're working on those as a part of your strategy, right? And just part of your wanting to know that yeah, there. My partner is doing this in the community, and I'm doing something similar. What if we do a fundraiser together? What if we do something together? What if we collab? Um, mm -hmm. And then when you have those relationships, why it's also important. So this is such a good point you bring up, is because then when you need a letter of support <laughs> or an MOU or whatnot, you already have the relationship. You're not developing it from scratch. Really, mm -hmm. like, I trust you. I don't even really know you, and you want me to go in on this. Mm -hmm with you who are you again right so that's yeah and then even better is when you put yourself out there and tell people wow you you're doing amazing things like here's what we're doing you share your story maybe you don't hear back from them for a while but then you might months later find out they're applying for something and want you to be a part of it and then you don't have to do much of the work <laughs> yeah. so those are kind of like little expert tips I love that. <laughs> always yeah. good to make make connections yeah so collaborating building relationships right and where how do people do that how do they build relationships like what is their best way kind of forward hmm. um well, I yeah, going going to like local community events. So of course, like maybe having a booth, um, and with organizations that I've been working with, like nonprofit farms, um, just having those volunteer days, getting people out to the farm, um, and and then going to the schools, maybe doing talks or or do talks at your local library. Um, so those are some, definitely some ways uh, that you can do that. Um, but a lot of it just with our very distant communications that we have now, um, if you're just looking around the internet, trying to find people that are doing similar things, um, send an email and reach out or give them a phone call. Um, I so. love it. Follow them on social media, see the events that they have coming. Yeah, out, right? yes, totally. Follow on social media, tag, um, tag and share, share what they're doing. Um, they're like, oh, thanks for sharing. And, and then you're like, yeah, we love, we love what you're doing. So yeah, yeah. Love that. That's so awesome. Yeah, it was one of the, that's actually how I developed a relationship with a mentor and how I got a mentor was 
I was reading her book and I quoted her in an Instagram post and mm. tagged her because I was like, you know, I quoted her and I tagged her. I was like, I love oh, it. Yeah, great. Awesome. And then she replied and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then we just developed yeah. you know this whole relationship and started talking and it was like you know it was really really cool and if we want to mm-hmm. have those types of platforms to connect so personably like I don't think that would have ever happened you know so yeah definitely there's so many different ways that you can connect with folks out there right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely yeah, yeah. collaborate get out <laughs> go to events, conferences, um, things that they're interested in. Uh, the local library, yes, there's still things that happen mm-hmm. in the local library, right? So always, uh, always. your community centers, um, all of that, and any kind of the social movements, right? So maybe you're advocating for something and there's some kind of protest happening and you're going to meet people there that agree with you on that movement, right? So there's so many different mm-hmm. ways to move forward. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's one of your major tips is, hey, collab don't wait until you need to for a grant Mm -hmm. get out Mm -hmm. there ahead of it right so and then that checklist um is there other goodies that you wanted to mention on there too um I that kind of covers the full checklist but really um that all stems from one piece of gold that was given to me which was just uh layering the benefits those are the two key words in putting together a proposal. Um, the more you can layer the benefits, the better investment it is to the funder because they're achieving more with their dollars um, with awesome. your with your proposal. So um, so yeah, that's that kind of is the keyword behind all of this. Yeah, getting the outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And in grants, we see that with outputs, outcomes, and logic models, you know, in our objectives and our activities, in the budget, you can always layer all of those benefits through all of those mm-hmm. different pieces, right? So that's really, really good to keep that at the forefront of your mind, right? What are the benefits to the funding source? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just the whole, <clears throat> the whole idea behind being being a resourceful human being. What are all my resources and what's already out there that I can use without expending um, extra energy and money? Um, So, yeah. (laughs) This has been great, Elena. I've learned so much and I'll just hear like how you kind of approach you know, your company in a very holistic way. And I love that you, you know, we go back to those niches. Do check out mm-hmm. Elena's website. If you guys are a nonprofit farm or nonprofit, you know, in this industry with the land animals, do reach out to uh, Refont Ventures and that's R-E-F-O-N-T-E ventures.com. You can definitely <laughs> The beautiful website anyway, so check it out. But just in that perspective too, um, you know, if you're looking for, for someone who really understands your needs definitely check out Elena for you, you to write grants for or so she can write grants for you and if you're a nonprofit consultant or a grant writer and you really want to say how do I niche down do check it out too and see how what you've done because it's a great example to show and check out the show notes so you can get that free checklist that you put together Elena so thank you for um, yeah I will be sure to share that um yeah I also say just for any grant writers out there that are specifically interested in the agricultural world agricultural education um being a big part that I focus on with like farm to school and stuff um I would love to meet you because 
Um, this takes definitely more than one person and bringing those ideas and expertise together. Um, those are what our farmers and ranchers need. They really need a full force behind them, helping them. So um, would love to talk to any other people that share the same passion that are out there. So yeah, and thank you, Holly, for giving me the mic this is exciting yeah, this is so fun so i'm hoping the background noise with all the construction and the cat wasn't too much but um for that but i definitely wanted to talk to you and make sure we did this podcast because you really have a lot to offer um that's very valuable so thank you for coming on the podcast and doing this full circle um so before we close out any other uh words before that you'd like to oh i wanted to throw in my um my good lesson from working with my grandfather of late and um in cooking and how cooking relates to grant writing so we my my first class with him um as we did kind of this is kind of funny because we were doing a fundraising um event and we did we planned cooking for a week and the first recipe we started with was the epitome of recipe uh, following, which was Julia Child's chocolate mousse. And if you did not follow this recipe to a T, it would not turn out right. So next time you're going to write a grant, especially a federal grant, follow it as if you are following Julia Child's chocolate mousse recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Give yourself ample time to do so. Because <laughs> it's delicious when it's done right. <laughs> it's like your grant will be. I love that. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. That's so, that's so special. So thank you so much. All right. So um, for all of the show notes from today and for everything that we, we talked about, Elena, her downloadable, where to find her. Um, and you want to email, reach out to her that she wants to connect with you if you're in the agricultural space. Um, we'll have that all in the show notes. So thanks again, Elena, for coming. Thank you for writing and funding podcast, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you, Holly. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode with Elena Michaels. Once again, for all of the show notes, please go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 238. You'll also be able to grab that free checklist that Elena has developed for you. So please do check that out and check out her website. Once again, if you are thinking about becoming a freelance grant writer, RDR, nonprofit consultant, you are definitely going to want to look at her website, get some ideas, and really think about narrowing down your niche. Do you need to? Is that something you'd like to do? Maybe you narrow down a specific service or certain clients that you want to focus on or certain grants that you want to write. When you do that, then you can become more of an expert in that area. And then the, the marketing, all of the things that you do really connect and resonate with those specific clients. It also narrows down the amount of people that you really need to approach and develop those good relationships with. So if you'd like more information on how to do this, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 248 and be sure to join our mentorship. As soon as it opens, we, do have, we are gonna have limited seats in 2023. So if you're interested in all of this, do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com and check out our mentorship, get on the wait list. You are definitely gonna to wanna to grab one of those seats if you are serious about starting or growing a freelance grant writing business or nonprofit consultancy, you're gonna to wanna to get one of those seats. All right guys, I will see you next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye.